right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Theology Thursdays with Return, and I'm so happy that you're listening to this and tuning in with me, and I'm excited because we're going to keep talking about what we've been chatting about the last few weeks with Theology Thursday, and that is the first few verses of Song of Solomon, so let's get right into it. just say thank you to everyone who is listening to this podcast. It really means so much to Benji and I just uh, all your encouraging notes, the things that you guys have been saying and um, we're blessed by the fact that simply that you're just listening to this. So thank you for doing that and I just want to say one more time If you like this podcast, it would mean so much to us to have you share it with friends, family, people that you think would uh, be blessed and impacted by it. Um, If you want to post it on social media, that means a lot. If you want to give us a review on, uh, on our podcast, whether you listen on Apple or Spotify or Anchor, we would love to just hear your feedback. Um comment something that you like about this podcast or why other people should listen to it and that would mean a whole lot to us so if you want to share this please feel free but I want to jump into the content for today because like I mentioned I want to keep talking about the song of Solomon and uh, just continue with some of the verses that we've been looking at the last few weeks and I'm not going to do Song of Solomon for every Theology Thursday, but there are just some really significant truths in this book um, that are really impactful to our lives. And there are things that I'm wanting to just remind myself of, remind my own heart of. And um, so that's why I'm kind of focusing on this right now, because I think that these are truths that we all need and really that we all need to be reminded of. And so um, I don't know how long we'll camp out here, but I'm enjoying it for now. So I hope you are too. But in the last two weeks, we've talked about how uh, the kisses of God's word on our heart produce this uh, experience of love for him and how we talked last week about how that love, when it touches our heart, we just come to know that his love is better than every experience that we could have here on the earth. Both the, you know, sinful pleasures that sometimes try to steal our heart and affection away from him and also the legitimate pleasures, the best of the good things that we could have in this life. His love, when we feel it and experience it on our hearts, it's better than everything that we could ever have. And and uh, I'm not going to talk more about that because we did in the last episode. But it's from those that premise, it's from those verses that we keep moving on into verse 3 of Song of Solomon. And I'll just read it really quick. I'll read the whole thing because then it, it gives us the context of which we're working on. So she says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. 
This is the verse that we're looking at today. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. And I'm reading from um, the ESV, but I actually love um, both New King James and the NIV version of this verse because NIV translates um, the oils as perfume. So it says, because of the fragrance of your good perfume, your name is perfume poured forth. Therefore, the virgins love you. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit just about, well, obviously what this verse means and, and a fragrance. So, okay, if we're going to just pause for a second and just simply think about what a fragrance is. Well, a fragrance is something that we know is, I mean, in the positive sense, it's, it's sweet smelling. It is attractive. It can stir up, uh, thoughts and feelings in you when you smell something that's just really nice. Um, in a fragrance, it usually comes from the internal properties of something. So for example, a, a rose or spices, it's usually what's inside of those things, inside of a rose, that the sweet fragrance comes out of. And so when she's talking here, when the Shulamite here is talking about the fragrance of, of her bridegroom, She's talking about this, the sweetness of the internal properties of Christ, the sweetness of, of just who he is, of, of what he's like, of what he, you know, what he's kind of made up to be. And I'm going to explain that more in a little bit, but it's, it's the way that Jesus thinks and the way that he feels towards us is like a fragrance, a sweet smelling fragrance. And and the fragrances of Christ is what pours out of him and, and his internal life. Again, the way he thinks, the way he feels, the way, the reasons why he does the things that he does. I, I like the way that we kind of say it around here a lot. It's knowing the why behind the what. Jesus's life, the reason he does the things he does is is part of what makes him who he is. It's a fragrance to us. And I'm going to explain that more. So Paul talks about the fragrance of Christ's name being diffused through our lives as we just walk out our understanding of who he is. And I'll give you an example of that. When you've been touched by just the forgiveness of God in your life. When you know that you've been forgiven for sin, for, you know, guilt and, and things that you know that you've just done wrong in your life. When you, as a result of being forgiven, forgive someone else, you're diffusing the fragrance of who Jesus is, the fragrance of who Christ is. You're diffusing that by living it out as an example and and the way that we experience God in our lives and the way that we walk that out releases who he is into the atmosphere into the air and I don't mean that in like a weird ethereal way I just mean that the kingdom of God advances little by little with the small acts and the small deeds that we do. It, we know that if we just give even a cup of cold water to someone in the name of, 
of Jesus that the Lord sees that and he remembers it. And also it has an impact on the person that we're giving that water to. And um, I think of the kind of a similar example of Matthew 5, where it's talking about the church or believers being salt and being light. Well, if we are light and we're actually shining forth our light, it says that we glorify our Father in heaven through the good deeds that we do. So every time that we do something as a representation of Christ, we're releasing light or we're diffusing this fragrance of who Christ is, the knowledge of who he is into the earth. And I love when bringing it back to this verse in Song of Solomon, the Shulamite here is saying, it's because of who you are, because of the fragrance of who you are, my heart is stirred with love for you. And remember, I opened up with it. She's just confessed that the word of God upon her heart is what has moved her. It's what produces these experiences of love inside of her. And she's confessed that she's experienced something far better than anything that she's experienced on earth. And now the thing that's stirring up those love encounters with her is, is experiencing Jesus for who he is. And I want to talk again uh, just a second about what the effect of a fragrance has on us. Okay, so have you ever walked into a room and you just get hit with a strong smell? I mean, in this episode, I'm going to be talking mainly about positive smells because we know that there are lots of negative smells that bring up a lot of different feelings and emotions in us. But when you get hit with something that smells really good or, you know, you walk past someone and you know, like, oh, okay, wow, that person put on maybe one or two many squirts of perfume today because it's it ends up being so strong. But when you just get hit with that cloud of perfume, it has an effect on you, right? You notice it, you, you are smelling it and you're reacting to it. Well, something that's interesting about smell is that our sense of smell is connected to a part of our brain that processes both memory and emotion. And so fragrances can often produce this emotional response inside of us, you know, and sometimes it's for good and sometimes it's for bad. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's um, a friend I have, someone I know who was really close with her aunt and she would tell me these stories of how her and her aunt always had this like special meal that they would cook together and they would use you know all of these like spices I'm pretty sure it was like an Italian meal so they would use like basil and oregano and you know they would make this this certain dish and it was always the smell of this dish that would remind her of her aunt and um, her aunt passed away and so she would just say, I, I go and I make this dish again. And it's not even so much the taste of the dish as it's, as it's the memory of the fragrances or the spices that they would use when making the dish that reminds her of her aunt. So sometimes she would just go make the dish to be reminded of all of the 
the sweet times that she had with her aunt and who she is and the closeness, you know, and the relationship that they had with one another. And in the same way, fragrances bring up memories. They bring up, I mean, sometimes even vivid memories of things that you have forgotten about. When you smell something, it can bring up a vivid memory of the last time that you smelt that same smell, you know? You, sometimes it's like, you know someone who has this specific perfume and you just happen to smell that perfume again in a store or whatever and then all of a sudden you're thinking about this person that you haven't thought of for ages but you're reminded of it because they used to wear that same perfume or whatever so perfumes a lot of the times they cause an emotional response in us or they bring out these memories inside of us and and fragrances they have you noticed also that they can make us feel really good like how many products out there right now have some sort of fragrance to it you know everything from our laundry detergent to soaps to uh, i mean deodorants for good reason they all have fragrances added to it because part of it is it makes us feel good it makes us feel happy to smell things that are pleasant and enjoyable And I'm saying all of that to say, in this verse, she's saying your anointing oils are fragrant or or your perfumes are fragrant. Who you are just causes this emotional response, these these memories of of me encountering you, of, of who you are. Who you are causes me to just respond in the same way of, the way that a fragrance causes me to respond. And she goes beyond that and she says, almost dropped my Bible there. She says, not only are is who you are fragrant, but it's your name is oil poured forth or your name is perfume poured forth. And I want to say a couple things about this. First, I, I love that she kind of zooms it into the name because our names identify a lot about us you know our our names don't just you know identify us they actually also bring about different things about us like our our characteristics how we act the way that we look i'll give you an example like when i think of my husband benji i'm not only thinking of what he looks like, but I'm thinking of all of the things that I really love and enjoy about Benji that are unique to only Benji. There's only one Benji Nunez in the earth and there might even be someone who has the exact same name as him, but they're not gonna be the same person as my Benji Nunez. You know, he thinks a certain way, he acts a certain way, he has certain personality traits that make him, you know, do things a certain way. He you know, there's things about him that are unique to him, like to name some just off the top of my head. He's really funny and he's really generous. He he loves to help other people. These are all things that I think of when I think of Benji, right? And just like you probably have someone's name pop into your mind and you, you know, have kind of a list come into your your mind about who that person is. 
Or, I mean, to give a different example, there's certain names that you just don't want to name your kid because there's bad name association. You know, it's like you can have, I don't know, the name Susie pop up. Sorry if your name is Susie. And you might not want to name your kid Susie for X amount of reasons or because you know someone named Susie that had a negative impact on your life or whatever. And there's name association involved with that. But in this verse, she's saying your name, who you are, who Jesus is, is already. He lives his life as a fragrance that's poured out. And the name of Jesus is associated with who he is, with the way that he thinks and feels. And it's this fragrance that is constantly being poured out or constantly being diffused out into our lives. And I'll give you um, just, I think the perfect example of this is Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8, where it explains this perfectly. It says that Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He took the form of a bondservant came in the likeness of man being found in the appearance of man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on the cross okay let's look at this for a second he was god jesus was god and he emptied himself of sitting up with the father being up in the heavenly places he emptied himself of his reputation of that place to humble himself and become what he created creator became part of creation he humbled himself he poured himself out then not only did he empty himself of being God? We know he was fully God and fully man as a human, but he comes in the form of a bondservant. And a bondservant was someone who willingly attached himself to another person because of love. And Jesus willingly attaches himself. He willingly attached himself to us, to what he created out of love. And here he is again, pouring himself out. And not only did he come as a human, he poured himself out. It's interesting because Isaiah says he came as a, a man, but he, he even didn't even have any beauty that we would desire him, which means, you know, there's different people that it's like when we see someone who's beautiful, it's, you're hit sometimes with this just attraction to beauty. And the thing is, is God, I mean, not only did he humble himself and, and empty himself as God, well, you kind of think, well, you know, he could have made himself the most good looking person out there. You know, he could have made himself look like what a lot of Greek mythology pictures the gods to be, you know, with these kind of Greek looking athletic bodies and all of all this stuff, you know, and they're so beautiful to behold. Well, Jesus didn't even go anywhere close to that. It says that he didn't even have any beauty that we would desire him, that we would think that he's anything special or any, anything out of the ordinary. He was just another dude in Nazareth for most of his life. And, and that's what I want to even say next is 
he humbled himself time and time again to be this nobody who worked as a carpenter, who served his mom, who served his family, who provided, because a lot of people speculate that Joseph died some, you know, somewhere in Jesus's teen years. We know you, Joseph was around when Jesus was 12. But at some point, Jesus had to take on the responsibility of providing for his family. And he did this as God living in the middle of nowheresville in Israel, just pouring himself out, pouring himself out time and time again. You know, he even when he stepped into ministry, he healed the sick. He actually reached out and touched lepers who, you know, had the uh, infectious skin disease that if you actually touched them, you were at risk of getting it yourself. He didn't care. He poured himself out, always putting himself in the position of, of just being a fragrance that's constantly being poured out. And the verse goes on that he humbled himself being a man and he humbled himself even to the point of death. And now this takes it up a whole nother level is Jesus knew that he came, his purpose was the cross and he was determined to go to Judah or to Judea to go to the cross. He knew that that was part of, or that he knew that that was his destiny. And the crazy thing again is he could have, okay, you know, like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to die for the sins of the earth. Well, not only did he just choose to die, he he chose to take on the most embarrassing, excruciating, painful death known to man, and that was crucifixion. I mean, I've been reading this book, uh, The Cross of Christ by John R.W. Stott, and he talks about how Jesus was determined. He says that he set his face to go to Judea where he knew that he was going to die on the cross. But the thing is, is crucifixion was reserved for criminals. Crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst kind of punishment. And yet he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And my point in saying all of this is we look at the life of Christ. We, we think of his name and even his name is associated with the way that he lived his life and the way that he was in his death, that he was always pouring himself out. And I think just, again, that fragrance of who he is should stun us. It should cause that emotional and, 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 uh, just that emotional response to who he is and cause us to just pause and be in awe of, of who he is and what he did. And, and the fragrance of his name being poured out. I mean, there's so many reasons or the, and there's so many things that we could talk about related to how Jesus pours himself out. But I think of even today, like he's constantly pouring himself out even to me today because my love is weak for him. My, I mean, to look at everything that he did and how he gave himself for me, he ransomed my life, paid the, the punishment that I should be paying for my sin, my guilt, 
not only did he do that, but even today in my weakness and in the weak love that I have to offer to him, he's still pouring himself out. He still loves to forgive me. He loves to show mercy to me. He loves to delight in delivering me from the things that I deal with and the things that I struggle with because it's who he is. And so even today, the way that he loves me is still this fragrance that's being poured out time and time and time again. And I love that the way that this verse three wraps up as it says, therefore the virgins love you. And we know that uh, Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 11 too, it says that we are being presented as chaste virgins to Christ. When we received um, the punishment that Jesus took on the cross and we were washed in his blood, we became pure virgins before him, undefiled before him. That's how God sees us as pure and chaste virgins. And so in this verse, the virgins, it's talking about the church saying, therefore, it's right that your people love you. When we see who Jesus is, when we remember not only what he did, but what he's doing in our lives today, we remember the fragrance, that sweet fragrance of who he is, and it's right that we love him. Therefore, I, I like that he says, therefore, it's always like in response to the, all of the things that came before, therefore, we love him. And, um, I just think of, I mean, there's so many examples day in and day out of our lives of, of why we love Jesus. And I, again, I think of even going back to someone's name. It's like sometimes when you think of someone, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, this person is amazing because they're just so humble and, and they just, you know, they, they always think so positively. They always think so well of people. And I think of there's always a reason behind the way that we act and the way that we think and all that stuff. And I think even the way that Jesus reacts to us or responds to us or interacts with us, it's out of compassion and it's out of love. And there's always this pouring out of who he is in his interaction with us that causes us to love him, that causes us to respond in love for him. And I just want to wrap this up by saying we see Mary of Bethany pouring out this costly bottle of perfume that she has. And that bottle of perfume was worth more than like a year's wages. It was all of her inheritance, all of her life savings would have been in that bottle of perfume. And she comes and she breaks it over the feet of Jesus and she pours out her fragrance on him. And when I think of just everything that he is, everything that he's done for us, the only worthy response that we have is to pour out our love back onto him and back onto his feet. And anyways, there's so much more that can be said about this verse. I, I just pray that it's brought a little bit of understanding of this passage to you, but I would say, honestly, the best way to get into just the meat of this, of this verse is meditate on it yourself. Go sing about it. Go 
you know, if you play an instrument, just go and, and meditate on this verse and, and think of who Jesus is as he diffuses his fragrance in every area of our life. Think about how, you know, he's shown you mercy today and, and just let that be a fragrance to you. Let that remind you of who he is and what his character is like and, and let that cause love in your heart to come out for him. And, um, there is a unending ocean of who Jesus is that can be found in these verses. And it really does produce love in our hearts for him. So I pray that you get blessed and encouraged by this. And I look forward to seeing you guys next time.